welcome to Situation Positive, a positive community for those affected by chronic illness. I'm Tara, your positivity partner, and we're joined by special guest, Sarah Cash. Sarah, how are you today? I'm good, how are you? Good, thanks. So go ahead and introduce yourself, tell your guests all about like who you are and just get to know you a little bit. Yeah, so I'm Sarah, um, I'm 23, I'm born and raised, still living in Tempe, Arizona. Um, and I'm diagnosed with Chiari malformation with a 14 millimeter herniation with uh, seringomyelia with um, all the way down to T10, uh, ulnar neuropathy in both arms and a tethered spinal cord. Wow. So those are a lot of big words. Yes. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit more about your diagnosis and what, what it means. Like what, what is all that you just said? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely, definitely understand that. So Chiari malformation is basically, um, in simple terms, your brain is kind of falling out of your skull. So you've got your spinal cord um, flowing fluid up into your brain, and it comes from, you know, your spinal cord all the way up um, and goes into your skull. So there's a hole at the base of your skull. Um, and my cerebellum, which is the bottom portion of your brain, actually falls down into that hole. So that's what that herniation is, and it's uh, 14 millimeters descent. So it falls down into that hole, basically clogging the, the spinal fluid flow into your brain. So that's what caused the seringomyelia, which is a cyst in my spinal cord. So basically the fluid is blocked. So the fluid was standing still in that, in that spinal cord. Um, it ended up pushing on my nerves, causing a lot of nerve damage, which is one of the symptoms I experience daily. Um, and so that syrinx goes down to my T10 uh, vertebrae. And so now that's that I had surgery, that's cleared up. Um, and then the tethered spinal cord, basically my spinal cord is stuck on my spine. So that one's not as big of an issue as the others. Um, and then lastly, ulnar neuropathy is where your ulnar nerve is in your elbows um, and it's actually pinched to the point of causing some nerve damage. So um, the neuropathy is that, that nerve damage. Wow. So are all of those kind of related to one another or are they separate issues on their own? Um, yeah. So, so the Chiari causes the seringomyelia. Um, and they don't really know if that's, um, you know, genetic or if you're born with it, they're not really sure. Um, you know, there's a lot of research going on with it, but, um, it's something I was definitely born with. It doesn't really develop. Um, it's just, you know, it's caught at different stages of life, depending on the person and the symptoms. Um, so those two are definitely related. The spinal cord, um, the tethered spinal cord could just be, um, from, you know, gestational period and how I was, how I was, uh, you know, in, in utero. So um, that could just be the problem there. And then um, the ulnar neuropathy, I'm not actually sure where that came from. So that just kind of added to it. Okay. So you mentioned that you were born with it. So kind of tell us your story. Like, when did you actually get your diagnosis? Like, how was that? Just kind of tell us your whole story. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of started all the way back when I was 14. I was a competitive gymnast at that point for about nine years. Um, so I was doing gymnastics and I would start noticing, um, it's like a, like a bee sting sensation in my arms when I would do certain moves. It wasn't everything, but it was mostly on bars that I noticed it. So I was already seeing a chiropractor since being in gymnastics, your body's already pretty messed up. So I was seeing a chiropractor, um, and she, you know, tried to adjust muscles and make sure that, you know, everything was in place and it wasn't pinching nerves. 
Um, but that wasn't really working. It kind of developed even more. I started feeling numbness actually in uh, one of my arms and it would kind of bounce back and forth, which arm I would kind of feel most pain in. So after that started happening, um, she referred me over to a physical therapist just to see if there was tight muscles that might be pinching nerves, causing some issues. So I did that for a little while. Um, and then that wasn't helping. My symptoms kept growing, um, nerve damage and, and um, numbness and tingling and burning sensations would start like creeping up, starting in my forearms mostly, but would go up my arms. Um, so that was kind of concerning on its own. So after that, she, um, the physical therapist, she was like, I don't think this is helping. Um, I want to refer you to a neurologist. So then we went over to the neurologist at Phoenix Children's and um, talked with her about all the symptoms since it seemed to be neurological. And she, she decided she was thinking along the lines of a bulging disc. So I would just have to get a shot and, you know, it'd be pretty simple fix, which I already wasn't excited about, you know, hearing a, a giant needle going in your spine doesn't sound very fun. Um, so she ordered an MRI to just check, see what was going on. So I went in and got a spinal MRI first. Um, and so after that, my parents went into the other room with the technician and they came back looking a little bit off. And I was like, what's wrong? Do you, do you know what's going on? And they're like, no, no, we're just going to do another scan. So then we did a brain scan. Um, so more, more, um, in that, in the brain area and the upper spine, so after that, I kind of wasn't told anything. I was, I was still 14 at the time, so pretty young and just didn't really seem to care at the time. Um, but I got home later that night. My parents told me what the diagnosis was and that the treatment was going to be brain surgery. So I didn't cope with that very well. You know, I'm 14. It was um, in July at the time. So it was my summer. And so I was like, are you sure we have to do this? Um, but then uh, the next week about... I would say six days later, I met up with a neurosurgeon, which is one of the best um, in the country. His name's Dr. Uh, David Adelson at Phoenix Children's. He's amazing. Um, so I met with him and basically he looked at my scans and he said, you need the surgery right away. Um, this meeting was on a Tuesday. He said, I scheduled you for Friday. So I was just kind of shocked. I didn't realize, oh, this is, this is happening right now. So um, and my first thing was, I am actually going on vacation on Friday. I can't do that. And he's like, yes, you can. We're canceling vacation. So of course that's where my priorities were. So, um, so he got me in on Friday morning. So I, you know, spent the next few days just getting my nails done and having a fun rest of the summer. Um, so I went in on Friday, I had my surgery. So basically how it goes is, um, they need to release the pressure that, that, that herniation is putting on the spine. So they actually cut out a piece of the skull at the base um, just to open that, that opening up so that the spinal fluid can still flow. So they can't actually push the brain back into place. So that's kind of why there's no cure for Chiari. It's more just you know a, a fix that they can do. So they just cut out a piece of that skull and they put a patch over it. Sometimes they'll fuse the spine. Um, for me, they didn't luckily. So it was a three and a half hour surgery. It wasn't fun. Um, I was in the hospital after that for about five days, just recovering. Um, I definitely remember the shower was definitely my first shower after was not fun, you know, with, with having long hair and having to wash it around a scar. It's not fun at all. Um, but, you know, I got through that and I spent about two weeks at home um, until I went back for my, my visitation and 
uh, he basically told me, you know, you have healed faster than any of my other patients with Chiari that I've seen. And I don't know if that was just, I wanted to get back to school. I didn't like missing school because school had just started um, or because I was just sick of sitting around, but you know, I healed pretty fast. Um, so that was kind of the, the solution that we had for it. Um, and I couldn't do a lot of things for the next nine months. I couldn't um, do gymnastics anymore. I definitely had to stop doing that. Um, and then I couldn't do, you know, things like jumping on a trampoline, couldn't go on roller coasters, things like that, that would really shake my head. So nine months later, I got another MRI and they saw my syrinx so that that syringomyelia had cleared up by 80%. So the fluid started flowing because that, that hole had opened up. So that helped a lot. And then, um, he said, you know, you're fully cleared for activity. You can do whatever you want. So I actually ended up going back to gymnastics. Um, I still had all the symptoms, so I still had that, that nerve damage. They said, you know, it might go away, but it could be permanent. We're not really sure. Um, so it never did go away, but, you know, it prevented further damage from happening because with that um, pushing on the nerves, it can actually lead to paralysis. So luckily, you know, we caught it early enough and it was pretty fast progressing. But um, so I went back to gymnastics. I competed state and regionals. Um, and then I decided to call it quits at that point. I was 15. I was in high school and I was, my body was kind of done with everything. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, ever since then, um, pretty much just the same pains that I've had with the nerve pain, um, nothing's progressed though, luckily. So I'm on medication for the nerve pain, but you know, that's just a, a mild, um, helper. So, um, yeah. And, and then here we are today. So that's pretty much it. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Being 14, going from, you know, physical therapist to all of a sudden brain surgery in a matter of days. Exactly. What was that like going through that being so young? It was surreal. I think it was just such a whirlwind. I wasn't really thinking it was going to turn into anything big. And since it went so fast, I don't even remember the emotions I felt. You know, it was just kind of like boom, boom, boom. You're, you're here and now you're in surgery. And, um, you know, I think once I was going into surgery and getting the IVs, it's bad because I don't like needles. So they were putting the IV in. And I think that's when all the emotions, uh, just fell through and I started crying. I didn't, the nurse wasn't doing a very good job at my IV also. So that didn't help, but I, I just started feeling all the emotions. And, um, you know, once they got, got me sedated a little bit, then I was, I was calmed down, but um, just being young, it, it kind of helped, I think, get me through it since I didn't really understand fully what was going on. I didn't research anything once I got my diagnosis. And I know now I probably would be the person going online and scaring myself. So I'm glad that I went through it kind of younger. And I think I had a faster healing process too, just being young. Yeah. Is that um, like a typical age that, that might be diagnosed or is it usually younger it actually, it varies. So, um, you know, most of the time, I think it's between twenties and thirties. So it just depends on the person. Some people do get the syringomyelia and some don't. So some people don't really experience a lot of symptoms with it. Um, when I was younger, more in middle school years, I was experiencing a lot of headaches and muscle tension in my shoulders, but we thought, oh, it's probably your heavy backpack just kind of causing that or gymnastics, but that's actually a common symptom. A lot of people have is headaches and muscle tension. So some people do get diagnosed, um, you know, as children, even as young as two years old, I've met some kids 
Um, and then some people get diagnosed in their adulthood. Um, it just depends on the symptoms because, you know, if you don't have symptoms, sometimes you don't know. They even told me some people will get in car accidents and get an MRI and then just be told, oh, did you know you have Chiari? And they're like, what is that? Because nobody really knows what that is. So um, yeah, it's just, a, it varies depending on your symptoms. Wow. That's crazy. Imagine finding that out from a car accident. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So how do you, how do you tell other people about your chronic illness? Like new people you meet, is it something that comes up? How do you kind of work around that? Yeah, I, I'm definitely open about it. I like people to know, you know, especially if I'm having a rough day. Um, I like people to know what I'm going through. So um, new people I meet, I definitely tell them. Um, I would say how it comes up is just kind of depending. Um, you know, sometimes I'll have to take a pill while I'm, while I'm with people and they're like, are you okay? And, you know, I just kind of explain that. And then, um, you know, just certain things I, I can't do as well as other people. I've been, you know, go-karting and that's not as good for my head as, as some other people. It definitely can cause some issues. So um, just certain things, sometimes it'll come up, but I like to tell people my story and kind of, it's a fun shock factor, you know, um, when people find out, oh, you don't have feeling in your arms. Are you serious? Yeah, <laughs> it's just kind of something I live with. So, um, you know, it just kind of comes up in casual conversation sometimes, or I'll just share it with people um, since it's such a big part of my life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like you said, this isn't like a super well-known thing. Um, yeah. Are there any like misconceptions or just like about maybe your symptoms that people have when you tell them? How do you address those misconceptions? Absolutely. So um, with my symptoms personally, um, obviously they're invisible. You, you wouldn't look at me and know, oh, she's got nerve damage in her arms. And so kind of for my nerve damage, it, they call it a cape syndrome. So it's if you put a cape on, it basically uh, spans from my arms all the way through my upper back down my other arms and then sometimes gets into my chest and my upper uh, left side of my face. Um, but you know, you can't see it. So I'm feeling numbness and tingling and burning sensations all day long. Um, but the misconception is, oh, you're fine. You know, you look fine. And I'm sure that's with most chronic illnesses, you know, you look fine, so you must be fine. But you know, you never know what somebody's struggling with pain wise. So um, a lot of people with, with Chiari actually have headaches that's the most common symptom with Chiari. And I do suffer from those as well. And it's more in the base of the skull. So, you know, just certain times I'll, I'll have flare ups of, of pain and people are like, oh, well, why are you acting weird? You know, so um, I just kind of kind of inform people say, you know, just because people look fine doesn't mean they are fine, especially, you know, mentally as well. A lot of people struggle with um, just mental pain. So I just always preach to other people, you know, you never know what someone's going through. So um, you know, using, don't misconceive, you know, the information you just from what you see. So that's just what a big, I'm a big believer in because you never know. Right. Absolutely. So a lot of our community members, um, maybe not a lot, but some of them might be dealing with this themselves or have a loved one that has been diagnosed with this. Do you have any advice for them? Like going through this? Um, like, what would you say to someone who had that? Yeah, absolutely. I would say, you know, just support system is the biggest part. Obviously, we know like our loved ones can't cure us. They can't fix it um, as much as we wish they could. But just having a support system was the biggest part of my whole journey is just people that are there. They understand what I'm going through. Um, my family was huge. They always were at the hospital with me, supporting me through all of it, um, finding the best doctors. So I would just say, you know, being a support system, 
Um, and even on your bad days, just holding them, we know, you know, things will eventually will feel okay at some point, but just kind of embracing the, the, the bad days, knowing, you know, it hurts right now. I'm going to be okay, but I just need someone to cry to. That's good. I like that. Um, so you mentioned, you know, your healings fast, which is great. You wanted to go back to school. So it seemed like you had pretty high spirits throughout this whole thing. Um, a lot of times chronic illness can get us really negative, feeling really down. How did you kind of combat that and just stay positive? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I definitely had my, my bad days and I still do, you know, it can be frustrating you know, since it's out of your control. Um, but I would say, you know, just, just uh, having my support system around me again and just, um, you know, embracing sometimes like I don't feel well today. I don't, I'm not happy. And just knowing, you know, just letting myself feel that, that emotion um, just to get myself through it. So, um, and then just, you know, then finding things to distract myself, things I enjoy um, just to get myself out of it and knowing, you know, I know this is something I'm going to have to go with for a long time, but um, you know, there, there's better days ahead. There's things that I, I want to live for and, and enjoy in life. So just looking uh, towards those, you know, rather than letting it drag me down too far. Absolutely. So moving forward, um, is it mostly just dealing with like the symptoms day to day or is there any possibility that, you know, more, more things would arise? Yeah. So there's other surgeries that, you know, I could go through, um, things for the ulnar neuropathy, but they did say, you know, most likely it won't relieve any symptoms. So, you know, I don't want to put myself through more surgery or more treatment. So right now I just, I do have those symptoms. I, um, also have a lot of back pain. Um, it could be from, from gymnastics as well, but you know, the Chiari doesn't help. So I do different therapies. I do massage therapy, which seems to help. And, um, just things that I can find, um, that, that help relieve the symptoms a little bit, but yeah, it's just the symptoms right now. There's nothing else I really need to go, um, have done luckily with, with doctors, but just managing the pain with, you know, my medication and just finding things that, that do really help with the pain. So um, where can our followers find you if they want to continue along with your journey with you? Yeah, so most likely um, I post about Kiari on Facebook under Sarah Cash. Um, I last um, September, during September, that was Kiari Malformation Awareness Month. So I was actually sharing a lot of information on symptoms and uh, diagnosis and just things about Kiari. So that's where I would say I post most about Kiari. And then I do also have an Instagram, which is just Sarah underscore Cash. Um, and I do post uh, occasionally on there as well. Awesome. Great. Well, it's been great having you on, listening to your story. You're absolutely incredible. I love your attitude about this whole thing. I think you could really be inspiring to a lot of people with whatever illness they may be going through. Yeah, that, that's definitely my goal. I, I think, you know, people who, who have the, the same issues in life and just chronic pain just definitely need to stick together. Absolutely. Well, I'm Tara, and on behalf of Situation Positive, Sarah, we want to thank you for being on today. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And uh, go ahead and follow us on social media so you can be informed and stay along with Situation Positive, and we'll see you guys next time.